ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hello, Chris Evans here with the best of this week's breakfast show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, comedian and children's author Ben Miller returns to the show to chat about his latest book, How I Became a Dog Called Midnight. The one and only Bear Grylls discusses National Fitness Day. Free solo climbing colossus Alex Honnold entices us into the direction of the jaw-dropping brand new documentary about Mark andre Leclerc in The Alpinist, a film you have to see but you will struggle to watch. I did, but I don't regret a second of it. And the mindfulness master, Anna DeBotta, shares wisdom from the School of Life's latest publication, The Good Enough Parent, because sometimes that's all you have to be. All of that and so much more to come. Dapper Dave, who is first? He's the comedy colossus that's taken the literary world by storm and he's got another work of brilliance ready to serve up. His new book, How I Became a Dog Called Midnight, is out next week. So please welcome a writer that's all Miller, no filler. It's the one and only Ben Miller! Morning, Ben! (laughs) Good morning, good morning. What an introduction. Thank you so much. You might be my favourite guest. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. You might be my favourite guest. You're too kind. I, I, I'm, I'm certainly my favourite show, I have to say. My favourite show. Now, Ben, the last time you and I um, uh, locked horns uh, in the nicest possible way was at Carfest on some hay bales. Yes. Um, I want to take issue with you about this, Chris, because I think that morning you had presented this show. I think you'd run a half marathon. <laughs> you'd hosted five or six acts on the main stage. And then I saw you... I saw you host that whole... E- how many of you were there? Um, how, how, how does it work? It was an incredible event, wasn't it? I, yeah, well, it is. Thank you for saying that. And you, Because people like you agree to join in and give us your energy. I think you, you get superpowers when you need them, but unfortunately, you don't get them at all when you don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the conference weekends, I get this, these, this superpower, which means you can just keep on going and thinking... It's partly the energy of the event, isn't it? As yeah. well, it's all those also, you're doing the right and... thing for the right reasons yeah. for once, yes, or twice a year, yeah. and then you're not for the rest of the year, so you don't you don't get the benefit of that. No, but it's it's brilliant. You, you do sort of, I would say you run on fumes, but you, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like you actually you've you've you got full tanks all the way. It's just, whatever you need, whenever you need it, you can do what you want. And you, you know, there are so many things that could go wrong at those festivals. Sometimes they do go wrong. Um, but it's amazing how many times they don't go wrong. You know, my highlight of the festival is when you got um, Captain Tom Moore's family yep. up and we had a little moment to think about the year that we've had. You know, it was it was very um, uplifting. It was incredibly uplifting. It was a real moment of connection. Um, I, lo- I absolutely love oh, that. Please come again. And you were brilliant. So you, you were sitting on the hay bales <laughs> yeah. with... Uh, Rob Brydon, you're rem- reminiscing about this, that, and t'other. Bit I'm cheeky like- of you, Chris. I think that was because you think I looked like Rob Brydon, right? No. <laughs> Why? 
<laughs> I think no one else would invite me to do an interview with Rob with Rob Brydon, but it was fun. But why it? not? Why wouldn't you put it you two together? Fun. You're two of my favourite people in the world. Oh, thank you. Rob was hilarious. Of course, then then that night announced Gavin and Stacey, and yeah, I mean, just brilliant, brilliant. Fun. Yeah, it was all good, all good news. So Ben, you have written another kids' book, and this one is called How I Became a Dog Called Midnight. So many questions, so many questions about this book, this wonderful, funny book, this magical book, this profound book that, get, that works on so many different levels. First of all, um, why the, um, not amoebic chihuahua, what, what, what is she? She's not an amoebic chihuahua, she's... Um, yes, the, um, the little chihuahua who is, who is um, oh, what do you call albino. it when you don't have any albino? She's thank an, you, yeah. Why an albino chihuahua? Why, where, where did an albino chihuahua come on your radar as one of the main characters? So uh, there is an albino chihuahua and it, it, the, this little chihuahua is very, very important to the main, it's the Snowball. main character, George, the main character of the book. There's a little, there's a very moving story really. He's, he's basically, he's lost his, he's lost his mum. And this little albino chihuahua was her gift to him, but his dad couldn't really cope with what was going on. So he, his mum knew she was going. Yeah, and, and gave him this little gave him this little chihuahua, and then, you know, as of as often happens when there's a loss in a family, his father just found it all a bit too much to cope. Gave this little dog away, and one of the things that this boy is searching for is this little albino chihuahua in the story. Why an albino chihuahua? I have no idea. I think maybe because I was doing this show Professor T and there was a little uh, chihuahua on that show and I was so impressed with how clever they are, how intelligent. This is one of the things in the book is about the intelligence of dogs, how much they understand, how much they know about us. Anyway, George, the main character, he then meets another dog, this dog Midnight, and um, f has a tremendous friendship with this dog. The, the magic of the story is he ends up swapping bodies with Midnight because there's a magic fountain at this incredible house where they all live. And uh, when, he's, when he is, as this dog, Midnight, he has all the powers that a dog has, incredible powers of hearing, you know, incredible powers of a smell. A very sensitive nose, especially if he's biffed on the nose. Yeah, oh, which he does get biffed. Um, and through these sort of, it's sort of superpowers, these dog superpowers, he solves a crime and not to give too much away everything comes back together at the end and he and this and he gets reunited with with snowball, snowball with I snowball know. this little albino chihuahua this book literally has everything how i became a dog called midnight it is a fantastic book will there be some more that's the fourth do you know there is another book coming i've got a i've written a book for christmas called the diary of a christmas elf well we'll see you next week then <laughs> Yeah, you know where we are. Another night in the Covent Garden Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Room for a small one. I was bragging about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben, thanks so much. Lovely, thank you. Yeah, thanks absolutely. for having me. Round of applause for us, Just thank here, you. genuinely, for the wonderful Ben Miller. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. If you've spotted a few more runners or a bountiful amount of bikes this morning, our next guest can explain why. Today is National Fitness Day 2021, and here to tell us more is a man whose middle name doesn't need to be Danger because his first name's Bear. It's Bear Grills! Morning, Bear! Hey, Chris. Nice to be with you. Nice to have you with us. Yeah. As always, Bear. How so, are you? Very well. Today's National Fitness Day. Last year, 19.1 million people got involved in such things as plankos and yoga and Pilates classes. What do you hope for today, my friend? Well, it's, yeah, 19 million people. It's a lot of people, isn't it? And yeah. It's the 10th, 10th year of National Fitness Day. And I think it's just a great sort of positive thing for the nation to remind ourselves that 
you know, physical fitness is a big part of being physically healthy. And I think the last 18 months has been a strong reminder about that. Uh, BMF, Be Military Fit, which is our veteran-run, uh, veteran-owned outdoor fitness company, is sponsoring it this year. And it's just all about encouraging people to do something, get outside and do it with people you love and, you know, just start the journey, I suppose. And I think so often people get daunted by, you know, getting fit and it sort of almost seems too big a mountain to climb. But we've got hundreds and hundreds of Be Military Fit parks across the country with instructors offering free sessions all this week. So whoever you are, whether you're uh, the fittest or the least fit person, you know, it's a chance to get outside and do it with do it with a good friend and go and try one of the sessions and start the journey. Yeah, and what a day today. For, it's gorgeous down here. Whereabouts are you uh, at the moment? We're, well, I'm in quarantine at the moment because we've just been filming in, in India. So we've been doing Running Wild India. So, yeah, so less fun. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's why. Actually, I mean, I look back over the last 18 months these, you know, the BMF community, the workouts has been such a sort of anchor for me, even when we're being difficult remote places, you know, where there haven't been gyms or, you know, anything like that, just to be able to go online and, and do a workout with that sort of community has been amazing through all the lockdowns and, and for my family as well. So, um, yeah. Stats as far as um, COVID-19 is concerned, according to a recent report from the World Obesity Federation, the fatality rate from COVID-19 was 10 times higher in countries where 50% or more of the population was, in fact, uh, heavier than would be ideal. Throughout the pandemic, the UK has had one of the highest coronavirus fatality rates and it's also the fourth highest uh, um, uh, rate of uh, obesity. So we've got to get fitter. Um, there's no downside to it whatsoever. Nationalfitnessday.com is where you need to go. Now, I've never talked to you about this, Bear, and we've had many conversations about many things what is your regular fitness regime well i think as i get older it's about managing things not going too crazy and, and giving enough recovery time so i tend to train every other day 30 minutes i don't need to do more than that i do lots of you know body weight stuff and kettlebell things but i really do it with a community and that's why i love you know bmf you know it's being able to whether you're in a park with loads of people and with one of our veteran military trainers motivating you or even whether it's through my phone on the BMF online stuff. I, I love that community. I find I'm not very good inside. I'm not very good on my own training. I love being outside and I love doing it with, with people who are sort of encouraging each other. So as I said, it's been a real sort of rock over the last 18 months having that having that community i like a bit of yoga as well once a, once a week uh <laughs> yeah a little bit of that keep keep bendy yeah I'd a lot love. of old injuries that's the thing i've got a lot of old injuries chris yeah and uh as you know sort of managing them isn't it yeah no it is and uh, you know being with a gang you are right you know because i was I, I for years and years i enjoyed uh, exercise on my own more um but i don't know what that was maybe it was a defense mechanism then i enjoyed running on my own a lot more and then i started running on saturdays with my wife and we have this run every saturday so it's our date day if you like um you know and yeah. it's, it's about accountability it's about playing it's like you know the difference between your kids coming home all great music teachers say don't tell your kids to practice the flute or the piano uh, remind them that they want to play the flute or the piano you play with it you turn turning it into yeah. play is so important and these ex-military guys you're talking about and being outside you know it's 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 the it's as, as least expensive as it could possibly be you know 
And when you're when you're sort of shoulder to shoulder, whether it be virtually or, or actually with the best of the best, that gives you a little I don't know, it gives you a little pep in your step. I think so. And and also a bit of grit that you're training yeah. outside yeah, in the yeah. rain, a little bit of mud, you know, <laughs> have a shower and then you're ready you're ready for work. I think the lesson I've learned over a lifetime but also reminded so much over the last couple of years is it it's about inner resilience as much as that outer resilience, you know, anything that kind of just makes you feel, yeah, come on, I, I smashed today. And, you know, I think whenever I go to gyms and it's all everyone's inside and they're looking at their phones and it's a white light, you know, I, I think it can't be as good as being outside. And it's been amazing to see that BMF community grow so much over the last year. I think people get it that outside together, inner and outer resilience is a good thing. <laughs> uh, listen, you, well done. Uh, great to see you. I've got to tell you, I know you're in quarantine, but it is a fantastic day to get out there today in, in much m- many parts of Great Britain. We are experiencing this bizarre sort of September weather. It's absolutely stunning. It's uh, There's lovely fresh air, lovely bright uh, autumn sunshine, and there's a full moon to get our energy from. So what a perfect day for nationalfitnessday.com. Uh, cheers, Bear, and I'll Brilliant. talk to you again soon. Brilliant. I love it. Love to the family. Love to Natasha. Right back at you. you. Guys. Right back at you, as always. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. It's impossible to watch our next guest doing his job without feeling mildly sick. The mind-boggling new documentary The Alpinist is in cinemas from tomorrow and here to tell us all about it is someone that'll have you climbing the walls. It's part man, part mountain, the one and only Alex Honnold. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's a real pleasure um, as ever to talk to you. So where do we start with this film, The Alpinist? Did this film for a second make you feel a bit like we feel when we watch one of your films? Yeah, that's a that's a very good analogy. It it kind of does. It makes me pretty uncomfortable in the same way I think pe- people are watching other other climbing films because it just I, I think the things that Mark Andre is doing in the film are just so amazing to me. So for people who don't know, because uh, there's nothing worse than preaching to the choir. Um, first of all, if you don't mind, Alex, explain what you do and then compare and contrast that with what Mark does. So I'm mostly a rock climber. So I mostly spend my time climbing big vertical rock walls around the world. Uh, in the film, The Alpinist, it, it chronicles this young man, Mark andre Leclerc, who uh, is a very good alpinist, which means mostly climbing giant snowy and icy rock faces around the world. So it's a little bit of rock climbing, but a lot of using ice tools and crampons and climbing climbing ice. And so uh, it's basically like a more complicated version of, of the type of climbing that I like to do. Okay. And would you say it's higher risk or not? Yeah, it's definitely higher risk. There's just a lot more objective hazard, meaning there, there are more things that can go sideways. Because the the medium is so uncertain because it's icy and snowy and, you know, it's just unpredictable mountains. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're unpredictable at the best of times, but get snow and ice involved and blizzards and things like that. You know, and, and we're looking at pickaxes instead of hand, hand holes. We're looking at ice breaking off. Uh, we're looking at extraordinary positions that Marc-Andre gets himself into. And, he, you know... Alpine, if you like, uh, you know, alpinists have come and gone before. Uh, there are some veteran alpinists in the documentary. Um, as a phenomenon, when have you always been aware of it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Alpinism is an important part of climbing, and it's you know an important historic part of climbing. And I, I tend to do maybe one alpine trip like that a year, uh, enough 
you know, for, for me doing maybe one expedition like that a year is enough to remind me that it's beautiful and it's exciting, but it's not something that I need to do all the time. But what I think is so remarkable about the film, The Alpinist, is that Marc Andre loves it so much that he's basically pursuing the biggest alpine objectives in the world nonstop. And what might they be? I mean, honestly, I think people should just watch the film on, on big screen, preferably, because yeah. it's just so impressive visually. But, you know, he's basically traveling to the, the most remote and beautiful mountain ranges on Earth and, and climbing as well as he can. I mean, the first five minutes of the film, it's, it stops you dead in your tracks, doesn't it? You know, the, the position, the quietness, you know, that is so clever because it opens as the titles, uh, the opening credits roll. Uh, you get some audio from Tim Ferriss's show, um, Talking to Your Good Self. And then we sit, it goes very quiet. And then we have some this amazing, really rare footage of Marc Andre doing what he, 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 um, he does in the film so amazingly unbelievably i mean truly unbelievably well you know and it's so eerie i mean which which bits of the film or which bits of um what you see him doing in the film do you think can you not get your head around or can you sort of comprehend all of it because you've been in similar but not the same situations i can i can rationalize it you know i can understand it but uh, i agree that the opening shot blew my mind as well it's incredible aerial footage is just incredible and then in sort of the middle of the film there's footage of him climbing on the Stanley Heatherwall, this uh, place in Canada that is just remarkable climbing it, he's doing sort of this hybrid mix style where he's climbing a little bit with his bare hands and a little bit with ice tools and he's climbing on limestone and ice and it's just I've just never really seen a human do something quite like that yeah and Mark, when did Mark Andre come onto your radar and how did that happen I, I think I can't remember. I think they have the story in the film, but uh, I basically just saw him running out of the forest in Squamish once, which is a premier climbing area in uh, Western Canada. And, you know, I, I mean, I'd sort of heard of the things that he had done, but then to, to meet him the first time looking very rugged coming out of the woods, I was like, whoa, what a what a man. And then you sort of had um, this this unplanned rivalry well it wasn't rivalry from his point of view what did you do that he then did quicker and then you had to do quicker so in the same area i just mentioned this place squamish in canada uh, i had done a speed record and then he broke my speed record and then and then i went back and, and rebroke it but it wasn't quite as competitive as it's talked up in the film because neither of us are that competitive about that kind of thing but uh but basically we both were sort of experimenting with how quickly it could be done in a certain style you know really i would say the two of us were trying to improve upon the style Right. And, um, you know, once again, we find out that Mark andre is the epitome of the dirtbag climber. Can you just explain that phrase to people who might not know? I mean, really, you should see the film to see the, the conditions in which he was living in different ways. But it basically just means that he was so committed to rock climbing that he just didn't care about his living conditions. So he was living under a stairwell for a while. He was living in a tent in the woods for quite a long time. And then he was basically just on expedition, living in tents in, in various parts of the world for, you know, years. What do you want people to get from the film? What do you want us lot, us mortals, us mere non-mountain climb, climbing legend mortals to get from this movie? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I didn't make the film, so I, I just, you know, participated. So I, I don't know. I, I would hope that people just see a beautiful glimpse of a different type of life, like a reminder that, that humans can do incredible things if, if they try. Right, Alex, got it. Uh, Roger that. And Will Coe, um, what's up for you next? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm actually on my way to Italy for a three-week vacation with my wife. Well, vacation. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, a little sport climbing vacation. 
Right. What, so, sorry, what is a vacation for you? Uh, how much climbing is involved or is climbing not allowed? I know climbing probably six days a week, but with a little bit more, you know, walking on the beach and things as well. All right, mate. Well, you have a great one. And thanks for being on the show this morning. It's awesome to talk to you. No, thank you. And thanks for watching the film. Pretty, oh. uh, pretty amazing. Alex Honnold uh, talking about the Alpinist. You can see it. Uh, I've seen it. Um, some other people here have seen it, but you can all watch it from tomorrow. Good luck with that in the cinema because you can't really take a break from the cinema without missing some of it unless all UK cinemas agree to pause it every 30 minutes so you can just regroup, regather, reboot and go again. Whew, just talking about it got me right back. Could you tell? Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So we've heard from three sensational guests already, but still to come. Renowned cook and restaurateur Rick Stein shares recipes from his brilliant brand new cookbook, Rick Stein at Home. Who Cares Wins award winner Jackie Bruton chats to Super Sam about this year's incredible award ceremony. And our good old motoring mate David Crofty Croft looks ahead to the Russian Grand Prix live from actual Russia. Plus the stupendously tall comedian Greg Davis tells us all about the resurrection of a brand new look. Much warmer, uh, but funnier than ever. Never mind the buzzcocks on Skymax. So let's get back to it, Dapper Day. Who is talking to us now? Children of all ages are famously easy to deal with, but just in case you're struggling, our guest is here to help. The School of Life's latest release, The Good Enough Parent, is available now. So listen up, because mummy and daddy are tired, and that's okay. It's the brilliant Alan de Botan. Morning, Alan. Good morning. Thank you so much. Oh, you're more than welcome. We're talking about your book basically off the air for the last three and a half hours. Um, Alan, so much to cover, um, so little time, but the book is out there. The Good Enough Parent, The School of Life, highly recommended by all of us who've read it. Um, it's it's a very very scary book full of relief if you know what i mean <laughs> it, it is a, it is a scary topic i mean you know one of the one of the big takeaways is if you are perfect as a parent you will actually be doing your child a disservice for a start you'll be preparing them for a world that doesn't exist because the last time i checked the world wasn't perfect and also by being so perfect yourself you'll be really frightening the kid that it's not normal because it's not like mummy or daddy. It seems to be have its own perfections, imperfect, imperfections. So in a way, by by adjusting and accepting your own flaws, you'll be helping the child to accept their own flaws in turn. Basically, you know, only psychopaths um, try and um, uh, act perfectly towards towards their children. It's a it's a fast route to, to damage. So 
you know, being yourself is is more than enough uh, around children. Um, you don't need to be a paragon of uh, of, of virtue. Um, and, and I think that's a very important lesson because so many of us these days are, are striving for an ideal of perfection, which is actually harming our kids. And counterthink seems to be really useful here. So 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 take your initial uh, reactive thought and, and counterthink that. Yes, in a way. I mean, you know, one of the things uh, we also propose, which is which is quite inflammatory, is to say that not everybody should have children. You know, um, in the same way as one of the best guarantees of marriage, of a good marriage, is is to make singledom acceptable and and bearable. You know, that's the good way to get people to make marriage marriages for the right reasons. So too, the kind of the assumption that everyone normal must have a child is terrifically damaging. It, it shouldn't be the default. It should be a choice that we make consciously, willingly, because we're really up for the many challenges, not something we feel we have to do in order to be normal. The best way to guarantee uh, a good childhoods is to make sure that you you only end up doing it because you feel that it's something that you're genuinely able to do. And so, you know, some of the some of the best um, uh, child rearers have accepted that actually maybe they shouldn't have children of their own, and and that's a very courageous and a very good choice. Yeah, um, chapter headings are beautiful. Uh, they're so descriptive of what's inside the book. Uh, here we go. So um, number one, lessons in emotional maturity. Two, lessons in love, all preceded with lessons, precursed with lessons. Curiosity, soothing, listening, melancholy, naughtiness, sweetness, siblings, play, confidence, relationships, issues, crying, discipline, resilience, manners, adolescence, and limitations. So good things to be happening in and around the house. Lessons in soothing, chapter four. Um, lots of holding and lots of singing. Take a little deeper dive into that if you don't mind, Alain. Yes, I mean, you know, one of the one of the key qualities that you have to have as a as a parent, but also as an adult, as a human being, is how do you soothe another person? You know, it's, it's an odd word, soothing, but it's a good word it's because. A great word. You know, parents will parents will know that if a child's very agitated at a certain point, you know, you almost have to kind of stop trying to be too rational and reasonable. Maybe just pick them up and give them a hug. It's a it's a useful lesson for adult life as well, because sometimes, you know, the thing that we're most in need of is a lie down, a hug, a glass of orange juice. Um, it isn't necessarily always arguments, discussions. And I think a good parent picks that up gradually. A good parent also knows that they don't have to be fireworks. You know, sometimes there's this idea that a parent always has to cheer up the child, jolly the child along, do peekaboo with them, etc. Sometimes it's enough just to be quiet, still, and allow the child to discover their own sort of patterns of curiosity and, and their own tempo. There's a, there's a terrific desire to, to, to disavow um, melancholy and sadness and difficulty in childhood. You, you'll see this when, um, whenever there's a sibling that comes along, people go, don't you love your sibling? Isn't your sibling great? A sibling is a tragedy. You know, a sibling for, <laughs> for, for an average child is a real headache. Allow your child to be unhappy and miserable when it needs to be. After all, sometimes in adulthood, we also have things that we're sad about. And to be told, you know, aren't you cheerful is a very aggressive kind of coercive demand. So allowing your child to be sometimes as sorry as they need to be is actually a way of helping their mood, a way of helping them to develop. Oh, my goodness me, you're melting my brain. And I was ready for the interview and I've read the book. Um, right, before you go, um, what else can I ask you? Why are we so bad at it considering we were once kids? Um, I think that we're, we're, you know, we're still at the dawn of learning what it's like to produce a, a human being that can live adequately on the earth. Let's not beat ourselves up. We're still at the, you know, it feels like we're very late on in history. Surely we should know what, what to do. You know, 
a hundred years ago, we were still beating up our kids, not fully accepting that they were full human beings. We're still learning how to get to grips with this. So let's not be ashamed that we probably need to go back to school, as it were, to learn how to do this incredibly tricky task, which is to introduce a vulnerable, out of control, little bundle of joy and sorrow and tears and all sorts of stuff into the world. It's, it's a momentous task. It's going to be the most difficult task we've ever done. Nothing compares with the complexity of this. Let's not beat ourselves up let's take it slowly and also let's go to school with this because it's something we need to, to take lessons in you know it's not an intuitive task right now this is another um golden ingot from your school of life organization briefly just tell people about that um the kind of subjects you covered who are uh, anonymously involved in it and where people can find out more so basically school of life you can find it on on the website schooloflife.com we run all sorts of things classes seminars online things you can buy books you can buy products you can have therapy etc but it's really a one-stop shop for something that I think we all need, which is help with our emotional lives. I mean, Chris, you talk a lot about this. You've been at the vanguard of this. It's not easy to be, you know, alive nowadays, incredible pressures from all sides. And at the School of Life, me and colleagues, what we're trying to do is essentially um, have a holding space, a soothing space, where some of the difficulties of being alive can be addressed, whether it's relationships, work crises, etc. This is the place to come to for, for a soothing, gentle and understanding time. Monsieur de Botton, um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Greg. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Live sketch comedy, sitcom, stand-up and hosting duties. There is nothing our next guest can't do. Never mind the Buzzcocks is back on Sky Max and here to tell us all about it is the man that holds it all together. It's the high and mighty fine, Greg Davis. Morning, Greg. Oh, I like that. He's good, isn't he? <laughs> high and mighty fine. You can take him with you wherever you go. Oh, I th- and I might. Dinner parties, the pub. <laughs> He just introduced you anywhere. <laughs> oh no, he won't be against his will. Let me tell you. So Greg, uh, he's here. Greg Davis hosting the return of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, smashing it. Um, also, brand new crime scene comedy, The Cleaner, episode three tonight, nine thirty PM, BBC One, and just the twelfth series of Taskmaster Two, kicking off last night at nine PM on Channel Four. You got it all going on, on three separate channels. It's ridiculous. Three separate broadcasters willing to employ you on a non-exclusive basis because you're that priceless, I'm my friend. Sick of myself <laughs> I mean that's that's quite impressive my friend it is well I've done just, I've just had a, a, a text from an old friend of mine come on uh, I, I'm, I'm going to edit it a bit it says is there any flipping show on telly that you're not hosting I hate you which bit did you edit <laughs> there's a bit at the top and a bit at the bottom <laughs> I show, I showed Rachel. Would it. we know who that was, that person? No, you wouldn't. All right, it's okay. an old teaching colleague. All right, well, Greg, um, just just all round generally awesome. First of all, uh, we were talking off the air about the fact that you, I said you look fantastic. You do look the best I've ever seen you. Thanks. And you said I feel terrible. Um, I said, do. I've lost a bit of weight, though. I think it's down to stress. I don't think you can lose weight from stress. I think that's a myth, isn't it? Well, well it's either that. <laughs> it's don't either you... that or I, I have done a bit of walking lately, I Well, suppose. don't you lose weight by just not eating as much? Yeah, but uh, that, that definitely hasn't happened. Well, then how have you lost the weight? You, you can... I, I th- I've done a bit of walking is the only thing I can think, Chris. That's not going to work either. There's something else going on here. You look fantastic. Thanks, it's, mate. <laughs> it's your skin. You look good. Oh, my skin looks good. You look, you, you know, that you see uh, you're glowing. I'm at, I'm at that age now where I've started to apply moisturiser. It's <laughs> never occurred to me for 50 years. Really? And then I've started looking at the haggard... But I've started to look a bit like my grandmother. 
So I thought I should probably use her skin regime. Do you have any photographic evidence of your grandmother looking like (laughs) you? I have. I'll show you afterwards. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Can't wait. Um, What is your moisturising routine or regime or ritual? Um, I've just bought a new cream. I couldn't tell you the name of it. Um, It's not Boots Number 7, is it? it, It's a night cream. I can tell you that. (laughs) Rachel. uh, I'll go go further, Chris. It's a a retinol-based night cream. Okay, Rachel, come on. (laughs) Chime in here. Well, it's only because I have this argument with Alex, because Alex doesn't use anything on his face. No, and and his face looks like a crisp. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I have to... Well, no, what is annoying... It looks like a hairy crisp. What is annoying is that then when he gets his makeup done for telly, the makeup artist always says to him, oh, what do you use on your skin? It's beautiful. And I find that very irritating. But they have to do that. They have to make you feel comfortable. What are, they not, what are they not going to say the opposite? You look terrible. There's nothing I can do to help here. Look at your craggy old crisp face. <laughs> um, right, let's talk about um, Sky's, Sky Max's Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Continue next Tuesday, 20th September, 9pm on Sky Max. OK, uh, reinvented, reimagined. How far has the revolution gone? How far does it have to go, Greg Davies? Oh, I don't... I, I, I mean, the, f- the fact is that everybody involved in the show was a huge fan of the show. So I, I think reinventing it would be a bit silly, really, because that's why we all went, oh, yeah, we'd love to do that, because we all loved it as it was. So it's it's different because the personnel's different and some of the rounds are. But the DNA of it's there. I hope it is anyway. People are saying it's a bit kinder, it's gentler, but it's still as funny, if not funnier. Well, if that's what people are saying, I'm delighted. Rachel? Well, that's what I was saying. I really it, enjoyed it. Do you mean it. that's what Rachel was saying? <laughs> I've checked with other people. I am the people. Have you? I've other peopled. <laughs> I've watched the first two episodes and I love the fact that it still has me on the floor laughing and screaming answers at the telly without being mean to any of the contestants. Everybody on it is having a genuinely good time. Well, I hope so. But, you know. And that's... Not, the, <laughs> There's, there's no conscious sort of be nicer thing going on. I just I'm I'm not very good at being confrontational, particularly. So you just get what you're given, really. My favourite round was stop, collaborate, and list them. And you did the Destiny's Child. Um, the um, what what has she bought? The shoes on her feet, and they had they had like a minute to guess list all the things that she's bought. That's one and, of the new rounds. And then one of the other teams had the Mamba Number no. Five song, and they had to name all the girls. Is that the old tea cloth game where you have a tray of stuff and it's covered with a tea cloth and you take the tea cloth off at a kid's party and then you put the tea cloth back on it's and they have to remember it yeah, yeah it's yeah, the same it's, thing it, uh, and we've found all the songs that have got lists in them so that, <laughs> that's, that's the sort of highbrow stuff you could <laughs> no, but it's what you want though isn't it it, it is what you want when they're not getting the answers that's what right. I want <laughs> right so also new rounds include Mick Hucknall's photobomb my, my personal favourite <laughs> vinyl scream kill your team and rumour has it you know along with stop collaborate and list them first of all Mick Hucknall's photobomb yes off you go <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit obsessed with Mick Hucknall and it's it's odd actually because via through playing Mick Hucknall's photobomb I've become a Simply Red fan for the first time really I, not that I had anything against Mick Hucknall and Simply Red but, and not that you need to point that out but it's um, it's just pathetic <laughs> we get a really big picture of Mick Hucknall's face and we superimpose it over another pop star and suggest that he's photobombed them and you have to work out who the photo... See, now that is one of the ideas that will make everybody else in telly like (laughs) spitting mad because it's so stupid but it's so funny and it's only when you're in flow and when you're not too worried about having to prove yourself that you come up with those great ideas because that is genuinely funny but it's genuinely... Do you know what makes me laugh about it is that every time we zoom out... (laughs) On Mick's face, we play a different Simply Red song in the background. It's very, it's very Vic and Bob. And now that. I've started downloading um, Simply Red. 
course. That was Greg Davies. Let's give Greg a big round of applause. Never mind the Buzzcocks. Airs weekly Tuesdays, 9pm Sky Max, and he's on all of the channels as well. He's even on the news. <laughs> you can't miss him. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Vodka that'll put hairs on your chest, weather that'll make them fall out, and the dulcet tones of our next guest. That's right, the Russian Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1 this weekend. So please welcome a man that's spending the next few days talking over the sound of babushka, 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 kakas. It's Crofty! <laughs> He's good. He's on form today. Hello, Crofty. He certainly is. Morning, Chris. Morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. Morning, and happy Thursday. Box, by the way. Yeah. Copper box was used for handball and a bit of modern pentathlon as well. So he's a new sports guy. Yeah, even I said handball. Even I threw handball right yes. in there. Nobody could have told me that because I said it pretty quickly. Don't know how the heck I remember that. Vassal thought it was for the boxing just because it's got the word box in it. It has been used for boxing since because I've actually been to the boxing yeah. there. But it was that the XL centre had the boxing exactly. in the Olympics. So, yeah. all, and that's where the taekwondo was and all that kind of stuff anyway um, exactly. Crofty let's talk to somebody who does know about what he does for a living it's you <laughs> with Sky Sports Sky F1 it's the Russian Grand Prix over the weekend the last uh, action of course we witnessed was a, a, a sprint qualifying weekend over there in Monza in Italy uh, what a weekend it was mm-hmm. just refresh because a lot has happened uh, between um, then and now just to refresh us give yeah. us the highlights of 30 seconds of, of where we are um, as of um Monza, rather. So Max Verstappen uh, now has a five-point lead in the championship because he finished in the sprint race at the points and Lewis Hamilton didn't. So then Lewis and Max tangled in the main race and both took each other out. So it's five points going into the Russian Grand Prix. But the big thrill of Monza was to see McLaren not just come first, but second as well. Danny Rick getting his first ever win for McLaren, his eighth Grand Prix victory overall. Uh, Lando Norris coming second. It was the first win for McLaren since 2012 and the first one too since 2010. And boy, was it good to see the boys and girls in Papaya back on top of the podium. What a, what a delight Monza was for everybody, uh, unless you're Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, and the term, c- coming together of Hamilton and, and Verstappen, it wasn't so much handbags, it was punch bags. I mean, has there been an, <laughs> has there any consequence of that? Has, has anything happened um, to do with penalties yeah. and things? Yeah, so Max gets a three-place grid penalty because the stewards basically said he was predominantly at fault, which he was. He could have bailed out. And he didn't. He crashed into Lewis and went over the top of him. Uh, Lewis went to the Met Gala for a couple of days uh, after the event. So uh, thankfully, he's OK. It was a pretty nasty incident without the halo. Could have been seriously hurt. So well done to the FIA for putting the halo on the cars and making it nice and safe. But it's a three-place grid penalty for Max for this race. Chances are that because Max needs another engine uh, out of his uh, extra for his allocation for this year because of various crashes that he's had, he might well take a new engine for this weekend and start at the back of the grid for the Russian Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc is already doing that because he needs another engine too and you only have three for the course of the season. So that three-place penalty might be a little bit irrelevant if Max starts at the back. Um, it should be a Mercedes win for this weekend because they've won every single Russian Grand Prix that's ever been staged. So the seven that we've had uh, here at uh, Sochi and also uh, the uh, 1913 and 1914 Grand Prix at St. Petersburg where we go in a couple of years' time. We're not going to be at Sochi for very much longer. Really? I didn't know that. OK, all, all that, as always, very interesting and very illuminating. Right. Give us your number one piece of extra juice um, from the pit lane uh, for, for, from the last uh, 11, oh, 12 days or so. Another, another piece of juice. Yeah. Well, um, 
we're, we're, we're looking at calendars for next year. I know you've got Monaco down in your diary. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have one less day in Monaco next year. Gone are the Thursday night parties. Uh, because to get everything into a crowded calendar, Monaco would just be a Friday, Saturday and Sunday event uh, for next year. But, you know, I, I've still reserved you a room uh, next to the super yachts and uh, we're still <laughs> expecting you and the team uh, to, to come along and have some sort of a party and stay off for the weekend. Uh, but in terms of extra juice, it, it, it's really all about that title race. Max against Lewis. Eight races to go, five points separating them. The, 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 the gloves are well and truly on. Not off, the gloves are on because they're... they're they are boxing and they are fighting and they are scrapping away and every point is precious from here on in. Um, if Mercedes do win this weekend, expect Red Bull to come back at tracks that suit them a little bit better. Uh, Mexico and Brazil, they should go very well at. And, and I've just got a feeling, Chris, this is going to go down to, to the last couple of Grand Prix before we see a champion. And I'd still... My, my, my heart is saying Lewis because he's got all the experience. My head's saying Max because he's got a better car at the moment. But there's little to separate the two drivers. It could not be a better season. Right, you're awesome. Thank you very much, Crafty. Live from Russia there in a big country. That was Crafty. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's the seafood dude we all know and love, and he's letting us in on some of his secrets. His new book, Rick Stein at Home, is a celebration of his all-time favourite home-cooked meals and a description of how he spent lockdown. Ladies and gentlemen, you're always in for a fine time with a cookbook written by Rick Stein! Woohoo! Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Sam. I'm very nervous about the fact that somebody's just giving you a coffee in a paper cup for a start. That, that's fine. It's the way we all drink coffee these days. No so worries. So, I was, I was going to expect fine china for you, sir. <laughs> Do you look and judge us immediately? No, no. no at all. Well, I mean, you used to judge radio programmes by the quality of the coffee, but I must say these days it's got a lot better all round... And this is fine. That's very kind of you to say. (laughs) And Rick, I got incredibly close to eating in your fabulous restaurant in Padstow, not this summer, last summer, and we were staying in Rock, which is, of course, just over the the water. I mean, for a start, what a... Is it the the River Camel? Yes, it is, yeah. River Camel. What a beautiful neck of the woods. Yeah, it's a funny name for a river, but it it means in Cornish something like Crooked River or something, not the beast. Right. But I used to play rugby for the Weybridge Camels, and, of course, our emblem on our jerseys was a camel. Was it? Of course it was. <laughs> but it's a beautiful place. So you, you mainly spend your time in that neck of the woods? Yes, I do. I mean, I've got uh, I've got a house in London, I'm lucky enough to have. And I've also got a house in Australia as well. So I, d- I used to do quite a lot of um, skipping around the place. But these days, not. But... Um, that's really why the book at home was sort of born and produced was was just being locked down for so long first in australia but but mostly in in cornwall which you know a lot of people have had a very hard times being locked down but mine being locked down in Padstow wasn't too bad. I was going to say, I was reading your book and you actually said a very charming thing in one of the opening paragraphs about the fact that, you know, you hate to say it, but actually lockdown for you wasn't wasn't too tough because it was lovely to spend time at home and start working on home-cooked food. Well, I, did, I just wonder whether lots of other people feel that because I think, you know, I mean, just coming to this studio, it's so sort of raz, 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 raz like that, which I'm great to be back in again. I mean, it's the first time this little book tour I'm doing is I've been back in a studio talking to people face-to-face. Yeah. It's sort of a bit exciting, don't you? Well, you've, you're used to it. We, but... we, we never left. We, we, I think we took one week. We did one did week you? from home. I think I did one week from home, yeah, and then we were back in here and all the big perspex screens everywhere, which, of course, which of course have gone now, but there were screens all around here. So, really? yeah, you and I would be talking through a screen otherwise normally, but yeah. Well, so but sort of lock, being locked down was, um, you know, Zoom's all right. You can't beat the real thing. But actually, in terms of cooking... 
I just started cooking all my sort of family recipes and thinking about them. And I, we did get an opportunity to, I did get an opportunity to cook for my friends and family quite regularly. And I just thought there's a whole different sort of book there. Because normally I'd sort of travel around the world and Mexico, India, and look at people's food and, you know, record their recipes and all that. But this time it was all about mine. And you, you spent a lot of time in Oz. So Aussie food versus British food, does it even compare? Um, it's sort of... It does, really. I mean, the, the, I think the one thing I'd criticise Australian food is that they do have a very similar sort of um, Western heritage, really, British heritage, which they've sort of dismissed, right, because there's so much great Mediterranean food there from all the immigrants and great Southeast Asian food. So they think that they're more sort of, you know, where they are geographically, but... All the friends, all my Aussie friends, have still love a Sunday roast, right? It's still love. That's great. What, what, what we, you know, the sort of same food that we do, which is lovely, yeah, actually. The home I think stuff. they just sort of acknowledge the fact, but I suppose it's part of sort of acknowledging your colonial past. It doesn't go down too well, sort of thing. But it's the home cooked stuff that, that so the moussakas, the lasagnas, the curries, the stuff that we really love to get stuck into. It, it is, actually. And I mean, it's those, it's. The book is filled with big dishes, right, for sort of six, eight, ten people, because that's how I like to entertain, and I don't really like cooking individually, not in a in, in a home, mm. in the restaurants, of course, but at home, a big sort of casserole of something like pastizio is what everybody likes, because apart from anything else, I think when you're eating in people's homes, you don't want to be sort of like a restaurant critic, you just want to get get stuck in and get talking to people yeah that's what i love about home entertaining really and, and so what are we eating today what, are, what you've brought in with you oh i brought in just cornish saffron buns yeah okay. which um, i did in my program in cornwall we went to a little saffron farm in cornwall oh. that's a that They're is very hard nice. work actually picking saffron yeah <laughs> to get commercial quantities oh I love but um yeah. it's mm. just a very nice and there's a lot it's full of clotted creamness so it's deceptively rich and lots of currants lovely. and candy peel isn't that lovely and some that and Your a health. cup of tea yeah. <laughs> yes Wonderful. yes please That's exactly what what a monday morning treat and, I, and am, I, am I the only one here who's got a slice of this? No, I have. It's apple. really good. Let's try this. And you've got some as well. Mm. So this is so Marvis Mira, who's our exec. She well, she she made this over the weekend. Well, apparently she was a bit embarrassed about it. I think it's lovely. I've got no criticism at all. There, there you go. go. That's oh, an endorsement. Look at that. Oh. Nice caramel finish on the apple. I think. Oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Mira, you should cook hungover more often. You should. <laughs> If you get fed up with waking up very early in the morning, Mira, then Rick will probably give you a job in one of his restaurants. Yeah. Isn't, well, that, so isn't nice. that a good pud, though? I mean, I just think Great it's probably pudge. the best pud in the world. I think it probably is. Have you got a big old dunk of cream over there as well? Yeah, yeah, creme fraiche, creme fraiche. which is particularly good with it, I think. Wonderful stuff. Well, Rick, we're going to play another song so we can crack on and eat the rest of the food that you brought with us. But thank you so much for coming in. Oh, pleasure. It's been well, such so nice. It's so nice to sort of sit down and have something to eat and chat. You know? <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> and be with people. Uh, Rick's book is called Rick Stein at Home. It's available wherever you, get your good, wherever, you get, wherever you get your books from. It's available. It's there. Get your hands on it and let's all get stuck into Ms. Musaka's. My, uh, that's my first one from your book. Good stuff. That's what I'm going to put together. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Cheers, buddy. Sam, all right, all the best. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. This is Sam in for Chris. It's Monday the 20th of September and last night... Uh, I, 
I mean, an amazing. I was up very late last night watching, but it was an amazing, amazing evening. It was the Sun's Who Cares Wins Award on Channel Four last night, which if you missed, by the way, I'll give these to you again at the end of this chat. But if you missed it and you want to watch it back, it's available on all four. Because obviously it was incredibly moving, and obviously there was some very sad moments. Chris was, of course, attended last week at the Roundhouse. It was, uh, but but it was euphoric and a celebration of life and obviously heroes. And one of the very very special moments uh, in it was. Um, a reading of a poem by a chap called Matt Kelly, uh, which is called Our Heroes. And I thought we would relive uh, that fabulous poem this morning. Vassos, over to you. Our Heroes. I'll tell you a tale that's been recently written of a powerful army so great it saved Britain. They didn't have bombs and they didn't have planes. They fought with their hearts and they fought with their brains. They didn't have bullets armed Just with a mask, we sent them to war with one simple task. To show us the way, to lead and inspire us, to protect us from harm and fight off the virus. It couldn't be stopped by our bulletproof vests, an invisible enemy invading our chests. So we called on our weapon, our soldiers in blue. All doctors, all nurses, your country needs you. We clapped on our streets, hearts bursting with pride as they went to war while we stayed inside. They struggled at first as they searched for supplies, but they stared down the virus in the whites of its eyes. They leapt from the trenches and didn't think twice. Some never came back the ultimate price. So tired, so weary, Yet still they fought on, and the virus was beaten and the battle was won. The many of us owe so much to so few, the brave and the bold are heroes in blue. So let's line the streets and remember our debt. We love you, our heroes, lest we forget. Dapper Dave, over to you. If you work in care, you're already a winner. But for our next guest, it's been made more official. She was crowned Best Nurse at the Sun's Who Cares Wins Awards on Channel 4 last night. So here to remind us what's really important is the very best of us. It's the brilliant Jackie Brunton. Morning, Jackie. Oh, you know how to start off my Monday morning. (laughs) I wasn't warned about the poem. Well, I just was watching, I was obviously watching last night and I just saw that poem. It was, it's such a magnificent poem. How does it make you feel when you, when you hear those words? Oh, um, I I think it's quite unusual because we're all, um, we're all just obviously, we just feel like we're going, we're going to work and we're doing the job that we love and the job we're really proud to do and, I think last night and when we were there last week, it was just so reflective back and, and you know, there were so many incredible people at the awards. It was, uh, it's really humbling, it really is. And it's not our comfort to sit back and listen to these things. And so you were, nom- you, you, you were nominated um, for, for Best Nurse by Susan. Um, t- tell us about Susan's story and, and how you came to meet her. Yeah, so Susan, she's an incredible lady and uh, as are so many that have really, you know, lost loved ones um, in the last two years. But Sue Sue and I met uh, in the very, very early days. Um, The hospital uh, and every hospital around the country was was locking down and within within hours of that happening, Sue had been told that um, that her dad um, wasn't going to survive and that she couldn't be with him. Um, So it was an incredibly... Uh, difficult for all of us, 
you know, we were really struggling with the fact that we couldn't have these visitors in the hospital. It's never, ever, ever crossed my mind that I would be speaking to people as a nurse. Um, so Sue and I initially met through that on the telephone and um, we were quickly trying to get iPhones. You know, the NHS wasn't geared up at that time technology-wise. Um, so we were trying to get iPads and iPhones so that we could get set up so she could be with her dad and, and that's how our relationship started. I love that you say we because it was you and it was you, Jackie, that got an iPhone in her dad's hand and get an iPhone to Susan so she could say goodbye to her dad. Yeah, I say we because I work with the most amazing people. I know people. you do. I know. I, and, and my team spans through and, and it's the, the, the awards for nurses, but I'm telling you, my Blackpool family are just amazing. We spend a lot of time with each other and have done over the last couple of years. So I'll always say we, um, because we look after each other. And then after that, you lobbied. Do you lobby to, to get iPads and communication systems installed into your hospital as well, so that if this situation ever happens again, then you're covered? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, NHS charities, our hospital charity, Blue Skies, um, we we were enabled through, um, you know, the, uh, the Captain Tom Fund to be able to purchase the kit in big numbers, as was so many other hospitals. So, and the speed we could do it was phenomenal. Um, we also um, we, we received money to set up a bereavement suite, which is our legacy now. We have a place that families can come in the hospital um, that we didn't have before. And, and it's just things like that and people's generosity because the public were giving money. Um, right the way through and, and we're really proud to have that up in Blackpool now. Oh, Jackie, well, we're so we're so proud of you. I'm told I've got to be short with you because you've got to crack on because you've got a 12-hour shift ahead of you, have you? Oh, I've got a longer shift, but I have had a lie-in this morning. This is unusual for me to be at home. Well, what an absolute pleasure. Jackie, thank you so much for coming on. And, and there wasn't oh. a dry eye in our house yesterday when we were watching you receive your award yesterday. And I mean, was it terrifying making an acceptance speech in front of so many incredibly famous people? It was absolutely... Um, it's so nerve-wracking and I'm not often speechless but I was speechless my colleagues at Blackpool won't believe that <laughs> I, 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 listen Jackie it was an amazing thing to watch if you want to see it again it's available on all four just type into all four the Sun's Who Cares Wins Award and our Jackie of Best Nurse our Jackie our winner of Best Nurse Jackie Brunton <laughs> what a hero Jackie have a great day thanks for coming on the show thank you all thank right. you all lots of love bye thank you bye the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching fashion trends, pep talks where we give advice, mental health moments, and games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.